Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is the show where I improvise horror stories. I pull the titles at random from a jar. And then I improvise the titles, the stories from there. Submit story titles. You can email them the quarantine spook show at gmail.com. Alright, let's do this. Alright, this first story is called Grande Dog Tourist. Grande from the neighborhood. Grande was an affable husky. We'd go for walks twice a day. And people who knew Grande or knew the family that owned him. that Grande liked to escape and wander the neighborhood. Something that's pretty common for huskies in general. They're strong and fast runners and they have a lot of energy. So on one Tuesday, uh, Grande slipped out of his owner's collar on a walk, and they ran around the street and ran around the neighborhood. First, Grande was attracted by the scent of rabbits and found a nice rabbit farm. After getting to the smells and the furry things, Grande then uh, wandered on to more spots in the neighborhood. He 
park with the jungle gym. Uh, it's been there for a while and is starting to get a little bit rusty. was a small narrow creek and a bridge that went over that creek. So the husky went over and sat on the bridge for a bit. far enough to paw at the fish that would come by. There weren't many fish, but certainly enough for him to keep his attention. Grande hopped off the bridge and started to bat at the fish. And then walked alongside the creek, upstream. setting, flesh hour was ending, the little husky was just walking along the creek, listening to sounds and walking really fast, can't quite keep in its focus on one thing for any long duration of time. And toward the uh, start of the creek, uh, there's an open sewer grate. Uh, there's a tunnel when uh, the water is flowing out of. So the husky went in and started going through the tunnel. starting to get narrow and narrow. Uh, and the dog was having second thoughts about going in. And then it got wider again, and then the dog kept going. And this dog knew all about uh, survival and self-preservation. But this dog's curiosity was unmatched by any other mammal. kept going into the tunnel, deeper and further in. So the dog entered a wide, cavernous area.
water seeping from a spring going through the tunnel. But the dog went to a different part of the cave. And then toward the bottom, uh, the dog saw this very thick, pink primor primordial ooze. dog would think it was like, oh, that's cool, but in, in dog thoughts. So the dog gave it a whiff. Uh, didn't have a very strong scent. Something that's felt familiar to the dog. Something embryotic. dog put his front paws in and started to sink into the ooze. Then the dog had trouble getting out of the ooze like it was quicksand. So the dog sunk in completely. When the dog awoke, it was a cavernous area. It had a lot of cobwebs, a lot of dust. Some spiders around. And this dog wasn't too fond of having things crawl up all on him all the time. So when the dog saw the spiders, he started to freak out and yelp. started to scatter to another part of the of a, the cavern and he followed an opening and different he passed different larger spaces that he went underneath this uh, dusty cobweb cavern Spaces had furniture, uh, an old lamp that didn't work, an old box TV from the 1980s, pulp novels from the 40s, and if there weren't, weren't any uh, insects or spiders around, the dog would sniff around and then start to sneeze a lot through all the cobwebs and whatnot. getting harder for him to breathe in the musty air. Till the dog reaches uh, this other wide opening. Where a chess table and Two old chairs were set up. One of the chairs had a skelified corpse sitting on it.
punches over the chess game. motion, like the body was trying to decide what chess piece to move. The dog looked at the corpse, then back, sit, back at the table, then back at the corpse again. And then the corpse turned his head slightly and looked at the dog, and the dog was just like, oh shit, dead bodies. Dogs are aware of when the dead is reanimated, and, like humans, do not take that lightly. Eventually the corpse uh, grabbed a chess piece, a knight, and then moved it in an L shape. The dog looked at the board and saw that the game was already in progress. Uh, quite a number of moves into it. The dog looked at the chessboard and then started to smell it a lot and then accidentally it moved a bishop over. knock down a rook in its path. Now this dog didn't know anything about chess or how to play or anything. But the rook fell off the table and then the corpse was looking around through its empty eye sockets at the board. And then the corpse started to laugh. Uh, in the way that it could. Like a hollowed out organ. A withered organ, uh, a withered accordion clear, uh, clearing out dust. It was a very deep wheeze that the corpse was making. And then the corpse started to pet the dog and the dog was just like, okay, I, I like pets. That's, that's cool, you know. gestured to the dog and then pointed uh, at a corner of the room with a small hole that was dug. So the dog went over and started to dig near that hole, digging further and further into it. So the dog found an entrance uh, to a stone stairwell. managed to fit its way through the hole and then made it to the stairs and then started to ascend up the stairs. along the way. 
reach to the top to an unbroken surface. So, unbroken surface. So the dog started to paw at it and started to bite at it. And then started to dig through it until he made it to the other side, which was the gravesite of a nearby cemetery from where his house was. Husky dug out of the grave and shook the dirt out of its fur. And it started to wander around the cemetery as the sun started to rise. His house wasn't too far from the cemetery, so he just followed the scent. And then around 8 o'clock that morning, uh, the dog went to his house and was reunited with the family that he lived with, with them having no idea about uh, this dog's uh, brush with the afterlife. Alright, this next story is called My Parent Visiting Axe. about it but I'd say I have a, I have a pretty clean and pretty nice apartment I have a nice room in a townhouse in a, a very upbeat area of Portland vacuum my carpet once a day every time I get off work at the bar that I work at. When I'm off, I just go out and party and have a good time. I was really proud of the apartment I had. Uh, it was a my own nice little domain, and I wouldn't change, wouldn't change anything about it. So when I got a call from my parents about seeing the new place, I was just like, okay, that sounds good to me. And me and my mother and father, uh, we've had a bit of a tumultuous relationship in the past. that we haven't hashed out, but when we hang out, it could always get explosive at any moment. So that's why I like, to, like it to be handy to, uh, to keep a parent visiting axe nearby. Not that I expect to use the axe during their visit, 
it's just nice to have it handy. some dinner. I prepped a nice pot roast. Got a discount on a nice bottle of wine from work. And then my parents brought over asparagus and red skin mashed potatoes. Five or six o'clock when they came over. I didn't have work that night. And I slept until two as the usual habit for when I worked the night before. So I heard that knock and I was just like, all right, it's time for my parents. So I grabbed my axe and I greeted them, just like, oh, hi, mom, hi, dad. And they're just like, oh, hello, son, how are you? And I'm just like, oh, I'm doing great. My apartment was small, but I gave them a tour. Bedroom, bathroom, uh, living room, conjoined with a kitchen area. And a small dining table that I set up when I have guests. sit for a bit, sit for a while, and talk about other members of the family, you know. Talk about siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles. Talk about the arts, talk about the state of things. time to eat. So we all sat at the table and I set I set up all the dishes on the counter and then we uh, all had our plates on the table. And as we had our plates set up, my parents said grace. I wasn't personally into it, but I certainly let them do it. And then we began and then I took out my axe and just set it on the table and started eating. father looked at my mother. My mother looked at my father, and then they both looked at me. And then my mother said, son. And I was just like, yeah, ma. And she was just like, well, do you really still have to carry that axe around? And I just said, oh, mom, this is my parent visiting axe. dad said, yeah, well, we had, you know, we had a lot of problems in the past, you know. Hell, it's almost been upward of a decade before we communicated, really. You know, we thought by now that you would, you know, bury the hatchet. And I said, no, dad, 
I got my hatchet right here. I kept trying to explain to them, just like, you know, Mom, Dad, I'm not going to use this axe. I have no purpose for it. Ultimately, it's for emergency situations over. You know, like if there's a fire, I can bust out the window and then maybe help someone or something. Um, I don't believe in guns, but if there's an intruder, I can scare them off with the axe. If it glimmers in the right way in the moonlight or something. And my dad said, I hear you, but... How do you expect me and your mother to be able to relax while you have this axe around? And I said, well, Dad, how do you expect me to relax by not having an axe around? I didn't have anything left in the conversation to contribute, so I just started, just let the axe on the table, and I just started eating. Started eating the pot roast and the asparagus and mashed potatoes. I have a very special way of making the pot roast. My parents definitely seem to enjoy it. Minus the weapon on the on the kitchen table. So after a full, satisfying meal, we all sat on the couch to get together and decided to watch a movie. Uh, and through a conversation of uh, cinematic classics and whatnot, uh, we end up watching Taxi Driver. There's a fair amount of fucked up scenes in that movie, which of course I was laughing at parents were giving each other that look again. They were looking at me, then looking at the screen, then looking at the axe on my lap, and then back at me. So my dad interjected again and said, uh, son, do you always have that axe with you? And I was just like, huh, no, of course not. I only have it when, uh, you know, my parents visit, and then I, I'm glad I have that axe, you know. And my dad was just like, yeah, but, you know, it doesn't make us comfortable, because why would you need an axe when your parents are visiting? And I just said, uh, you never know, you know. Things have been going well between us, you know, ever since that period of us not talking, but, uh, still, you never know when you need a good axe. So the movie ended, and, uh, we just kept hanging out, kept talking. I was able to ch chat all night, but for them it was getting pretty late. They didn't have the same nighttime job that I had.
eventually my mom's just like, alright, well, it's getting pretty late. We should probably get going. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, totally. And then she was like, can you get her codes for, for us? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I go in the other room to get their codes. And I come back out and I see that my axe is missing. And I say, hey, where's my axe? My, my mom was like, uh, what axe? that I'd like to have when you two visit. Where is it? My dad was just like, oh, I didn't see any axe, you know? grabs me and then he says okay now and my mom takes some zip ties and then zip ties me to the couch and I'm just like what the fuck are you doing and then my dad said son we think you have severe mental issues especially with all the sacks carrying and whatnot you know said, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna send you somewhere nice, some, a psychiatric hospital, you know, where they can look, look after you for a bit. And I was just like, hey, you're fucking crazy, it's a pandemic, this is the worst time to go to a hospital. And then my dad said, oh, well, we think it's for the best. I felt betrayed, you know long-standing history of us uh, not getting along, them thinking I'm insane, and me blaming them for where I got my insanity, and so good and well-adjusted uh, with a steady bartender job and a nice apartment, and they come in and try to tie me down once again, I start to lose my shit and I start to panic. try to wriggle myself out from the couch, but the, it's bolted to the wall and I can't move it at all. And at the corner of my eye, I see my parent visiting axe tucked underneath the couch. And I start to use the axe to cut up the zip tie that they used to confine me to the couch. And I start to stand up, and then they both start to freak out. And then I toss the axe on the couch, and I shout at both of them, both of you get out, just get out. And then they both walk off. And they both leave my apartment, and that's the end of it. start to talk again about uh, three to four weeks later about it. They vocalized their concerns and I said I understood, but I was uh, independent doing my own thing. I 
I didn't need their uh, need to constrain me in any way. So it took about another month or two of us talking uh, over the phone just to really, you know, see eye to eye once again. And I'm happy to say that our relationship was once restored uh, once again. But I'm certainly not going to hang out with them without my parent visiting Axe. Alright, this next story is called Flamingo Tribunal. I was never much for City Hall. Personally, I didn't care about city politics in any way. The government body was conservative as anything, man. space for it, but certainly enough to get me by, you know. I would use the toilet and wash dishes in the sink, but as far as drinking water and whatnot, and even the occasional bath, I just used rainwater. I eventually cut my water bill down by like uh, two-thirds. like, hell yeah, you know, water from the sky. You know, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. And that was until I got a bill from the Water Bureau saying they were aware of my rainwater collecting. get me to pay three times as much as I would pay for an average month before the rainwater collecting, and then paying that for six months worth.
Actually, I thought it was an outrage, you know. You can't tax me for water falling from the sky. I thought about trying to do a lawsuit for it, but it may cost too much. So I try to play it at a different angle. to City Hall about it. Go to one of their uh, city council meetings. Throw out a big, throw up a big stink about it. Hopefully motivate, uh, motivate them to get the Water Bureau to change their policies. Friday, so I thought, oh, well, that's perfect timing then. And I personally didn't have much history uh, in going to court or anything like that. So I just wanted to dress presentable, you know. I wore a nice suit with a nice uh, sweater vest underneath it. Slot to speak. Uh, or people from the water, water Bureau would be sitting present, and I thought, alright, time to tell the Water Bureau what's up. So I go in when the meeting starts at uh, 9 a.m. sharp. I take a seat near the back and watch uh, the citizens of the town and then uh, city council members uh, walk in one by one. But then it started to seem kind of off to me. Started to see uh, more and more people wear Hawaiian shirts. I thought, oh, okay, that's something. Either that or something pink. I take a closer look at the Hawaiian shirts and they all have flamingos on them. something. So it's my turn to speak at 9.30. They want to get through the water bureau stuff uh, early in the morning, uh, so that way when they get the more serious matters toward the end of the session, they're just like, oh, we don't have time to discuss all that. Very frequent sidestepping of the real pressing in issues in the city. sit down at the table and I start to speak. Uh, I say, yes, I have been collecting rainwater and I don't think it's just or fair for the water company to try to tax me for that in any sort of way. 
I think I used the word unconstitutional during my spiel. But overall, I thought I was very eloquent about my needs, uh, my needs for water, and my needs to uh, collect it on my own, uh, even if it's from time to time. And the mayor nods slowly, and he looks me up and down, and he says, What are you wearing? And I say, Oh, um, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, wearing a suit, sweater, vest. Just trying to look presentable for, uh, you know, city council, you know. The council chamber, as it were. And all the city council members looked at me. And I saw people at the audience glaring me down. And the mayor, Sarah, very, the mayor said very calmly, in a very curt tone, Um, this is casual Friday need to wear something casual. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I wear this from time to time, you know. It's kind of like a, this isn't even super formal, you know. And the mayor is just like, no, that is unacceptable. Just casual Friday. In the second week of March. That means it's flamingo themed. We're not going to wear any flamingo apparel. We can't take anything you say seriously. Nothing you say is legitimate until you wear some flamingo clothes. And I start to get frustra frustrated and flustered, and I just turn around. I'm just like, alright, does anyone have a... Hawaiian shirt that they can lend me, any flamingo shirts around, so I can just put it on so the freaking mayor of the town and the city can take me seriously. And a man stands up, uh, someone I recognize as the head of, head of the Water Bureau. And he says, here, you can take this one. And I'm just like, oh, okay, uh, thanks. I take off my sport jacket and then just put the shirt over my vest because I don't care as long as just they fucking listen to me. That's the real concern. I always thought the neckties were the standard of being taken seriously. How did that flip to flamingo-themed shirts? I don't know. But I wore the shirt. It had some... and palm trees on it. So I pretty much uh, say everything that I said again, you know, talking about how it's not fair to be taxed for rainwater or anything like that. Uh, this water bureau is being unjust in their bill to me, and that was essentially the gist of it. It was actually coming off as less eloquent, because I was feeling, feeling a little bit dizzy. I catch myself drooling a little bit. And I think I say out loud, just, oh, what's happening?
head of the water bureau said, huh? Feeling those flamingo vibes, huh? And I'm just like, what? And then the mayor said, we all love flamingos here. Everyone knows once you wear flamingos in the city hall chambers, start to just to think and feel just like us. Once you participate in Casual Friday, there's no unparticipation. Suddenly start to feel my mind transform in ways that I couldn't even fathom. It wasn't even just a matter of me keep thinking about flamingos. It was just me thinking about the Water Bureau and being you know, all like, yeah, actually, you know what, that bill is very just and true and very fair. Totally shouldn't have gone my own water when I was already devoted to them. And then I thought, oh, no, no, that's like gangster shit, no. So I start to storm out of the chamber, wandering City Hall with my flamingo shirt keep trying to take it off, but it's just buttoned on too, too tight, and it's just so, I look so dapper in it that it's so hard to resist. Eventually I pass out on the marble lobby. And then I wake up in my own house. Still wearing that flamingo shirt. And I see the building uh, sitting on the counter. I read it over. Oh, that seems fair. And then I pay the bill. No questions asked. Alright, this final story is called The Concertina. multi-generational instrument. It was a concertina built in 1939. A concertina is essentially a, an abridged version of an accordion. 
remember playing it a lot when I was a kid, but I never thought I would be in its ownership. It really was a true mark of the passage of time. How it's both faster and slower than any of us can realize. Concertina was a good a sign of maturity as any. So that first night it was finally in my possession, I started playing it. I tried to think of my ancestors, the ones I've met and the ones I haven't. ancestors that came before the concertina was introduced to my family. I knew some tunes, and when I played it, I could... It seemed like I could hear the winds of Eastern Europe, you know. experience to reconnect myself with this instrument and by proxy reconnecting to my family in a way that I never could have realized. played a soft melody, I started to wrap up and played the last note, and then all I could hear was, hey, you suck, and I'm just like, who the hell's that, and suddenly I saw this fucking dude at the corner of my room, sitting in some chair that I don't even own, eating some cheesy popcorn, and had like a big, like a big gulp kind of thing, and he was just like, yeah, you suck at that thing. And I'm just like, who the fuck are you? Get out of here. So I start to, start to panic a little bit. I grab a coaster nearby and then chuck it at him, and then it just goes right through him. And then he's just like, ha, I'm a ghost, bitch. And I'm just like, fucking shitting me. bedroom and start to freak out about it and he was just like yeah I've been haunting your family for a century we're gonna have a long time to get to know each other I didn't know that such a beautiful instrument can be such a bane on my existence because of this fucking ghost I was associated with it Follow me to work. He'd follow me on social outings. He'd interrupt me when I try to watch a Criterion collection or Netflix or whatever, whatever the fuck. And he was just like, uh, the movie stinks, you stink. And I'm just like, oh, fucking, it's fucking. 
insult was just like fucking different from the last. Like he's trying to make it a craft on its own. For instance, I have a thing with this uh, friend from grade school. Uh, our lives have gone many different directions and very far away, but uh, we still uh, commit to each other of writing handwritten letters to each other. So when I finish writing a letter, the ghost is just like, ah, I wouldn't wipe my ass with that. And I'm just like, I'm fucking damn it, man. I thought about destroying the concertina and getting rid of the ghost, but I couldn't bring myself to destroy such a beautiful instrument. But every night I'd play that instrument. by this fucking ghost. So eventually, uh, months go by like this, and I finally ask the ghost, like, why the fuck are you following me and my family in this concertina? It's just like, yeah, well, your fucking great-grandfather fucking stole this thing. I was the one who manufactured it. It belongs to my family, you know? I wasn't intent on selling it. It's a beautiful instrument. And I was just like, oh, well, is that it? Well, fuck, man. I'll, I'll give it back if you just get off my ass. So the ghost tells me uh, where his living family is surprising, which I'm surprised that a ghost would have that knowledge. I just thought it was just a uh, soul residue or whatever, but this fucking ghost knows what's up. track down this uh, manufacturer's family. Eventually I meet a woman named Colette and I'm just like, oh, you're uh, you Colette? And she's just like, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, well, I, this is going to sound weird, but uh, this, uh, this concertina right here, uh, I think your great, great, whatever the fuck uh, created it um, and it was stolen from him. And she was like, oh, okay, I might have heard that story. Uh, and I was like, yeah, well, it's, uh, I wanted to give it back, you know, as a rightful family thing. And she was just like, I mean, uh, it's been so long ago. Like, it's a bigger part of your family than it is mine, in all honesty, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, even though it was in my family for generations, it still came from your family, and I think you should have it back. And she was just like, no, well, to you, it's a, it must be an heirloom, right? You know what I mean? You know, my whole, I come up from a family of a concertina and accordion manufacturers. Like, we have plenty, you know, so you can keep that, please. And I said, ma'am, I 
insist that you take this concertina. She was just like, no, I insist to you that I do not need it. It made me question how much she knew about it or not, but what I end up doing, because I'm at a point of my life where I just don't give a fuck about things, I just set the instrument down and then just walk out, not saying another word. decision I made. I did go back to my pad and I was just like, you know, that ghost was a total asshole, but maybe did I betray my family in a way by getting rid of it? Maybe I'm the only asshole in the family that can hear the ghost, you know? Doesn't mean I couldn't have given it to someone else in my family. So it stays within our lineage, you know? Keeps just keeping the spirit of her family alive, you know, in more than just name, but in artifacts and storytelling. I was concerned that I was that living in these so-called modern times, that I was also contributing to the general flattening of culture. And if I was flattening my own culture, and my own history, and my family's history. It kept me up several nights. Thinking about all this. about it. I'm just like, you know what, I should try to get that concertina back. I don't know what I was thinking. It's such a beautiful instrument with such a beautiful beautiful sound. So I fly back to Hungary. And I once again go back to Colette's house. And I knock on her door and, uh, Another woman answers, uh, and I'm just like, uh, hi, is, uh, Colette here? And the woman, uh, holds her breath and gets all teary-eyed, and she says, well, no, uh, well, uh, Colette, uh, committed suicide, uh, recently. Um, she kept talking about a concertina and, uh, and a ghost that was being a pain in her ass, or ghost of her great whatever uncle or something our uncle um and yeah she ended up uh, destroying the concertina and then committed suicide shortly after and i was like oh, oh my god so i go fly back to my pad think to myself, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what I was expecting, but certainly I wasn't expecting that. So harrowing, so dark.
was getting ready for bed, it just felt so lonely and quiet, you know? I didn't have the sounds of the beautiful concertina to play before sleep and help me invigorate my imagination and my sense of wonder. I didn't have some asshole ghost to harass me or heckle me. No, when I was just setting up to go to sleep, all I had with me was silence. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And good night.